The sad truth is they left God. God had done nothing to cause them to leave him, but only been good and faithful. But they turned aside from him on their own. And the tragic truth is that when someone wants to leave God, they can do it. Much like when you go to the Grand Canyon, there there are many places where you can wander very close to the edge, dangerously close. And there's not going to be a ranger that's going to jump in and stop you with every misstep that you take, even though you're in danger. So it is that God's people are permitted, so to speak, to wander. When you've gone too far, what happens then? The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Reaching out with Rock Solid Hope in Rim Country. March 31st, 2019. Judges 10, 6 to 16. Well, it happened again. Something that's tragic and yet ridiculous that it keeps on happening again and again. This past week, someone was trying to take a photograph, trying to get that perfect picture, but they wandered too far, too close to the edge. And I'm told that he fell over a thousand feet down to the rocky bottom. And on average, every year at the Grand Canyon, about two or three people accidentally wander too far and fall off the edge. Again and again, year after year, it keeps on happening. You know, there is a point where you just go too far and there is no point of return. Well, this morning we consider an even greater danger of wandering. Wandering away from our God. What happens then when one begins to wander? What dangers await when you drift away and step away from him? But we see the answer this morning as we look at God's word in Judges chapter 10. And we continue our series now on fighting temptation when you've gone too far. The Israelites, you see, had a a special relationship with their God, the Lord. He said he entered a covenant with them, a promise that he made that they would be his people. And this covenant is described as God is their husband and Israel, the people of Israel, his bride. And he told them that they would be with him and serve him and love him only and worship him as their God. And he would be with them and bless them in the land that they were entering. But the people wandered from their God. And unfortunately, this is not a new occurrence. What we see here in Judges chapter 10, it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And this phrase, it starts with again because the did evil in the eyes of the Lord is recorded over 40 times, 40 times in the Old Testament. And of those 40 times, seven of them are found here in the book of Judges. But it's only here in the book of Judges that we see this phrase not applied to just some king or some individual that did evil in the eyes of the Lord. No, here it says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. As a whole, generally speaking, all of them were turning aside from their God and worshiping false gods. Now this helps us identify, doesn't it, how to really clearly see and identify what sin is. 
The Israelites were doing what many people around them were doing, the, the countless nations surrounding them. Everybody was doing it, so you could see that the, the common everybody was doing it practice was to serve these gods and to have this false worship. And you can imagine in their hearts they were thinking that they were doing right. But we see that the real standard of sin is not what everybody else considers good or not what we with our own hearts might consider to be good, but rather it is what the Lord considers in his eyes. Is it good or evil in the Lord's eyes? And we see just how far the people staggered away from their God when it says that the Israelites were serving the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of the Ammonites, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Amorites, and the gods of the Philistines turning every direction but towards their God, the Lord. When we look at this, the sad truth is they left God. God had done nothing to cause them to leave him, but only been good and faithful. But they turned aside from him on their own. And the tragic truth is that when someone wants to leave God, they can do it. Much like when you go to the Grand Canyon, there, there are many places where you can wander very close to the edge, dangerously close. And there's not going to be a ranger that's going to jump in and stop you with every misstep that you take, even though you're in danger. So it is that God's people are permitted, so to speak, to wander, to choose to leave their God. That's what we saw as we read earlier in Jesus' parable. That young man comes to his father and demands everything and leaves. Though the father's heart is aching, longing for his son, he permits him to go. Probably the scariest thing one could have God say to the wandering sinner is, if you want to leave, then leave. And when Israel left their God, what they were left with was a terrible alternative in the end. It says that the Lord handed them over to their enemies. In a terrible twist of fate and irony, the, the gods that they served, the very nations of those gods now turned on them and oppressed them and attacked them and harmed them. And the people were suffering. And it says for 18 years, they suffered this way. Could you imagine that? But didn't they deserve it? They had not had God leave them. They left their God. And the, the phrase in the Hebrew is really, the Lord surrendered them or handed them over to their enemies. God's saying, you want them to be your God? Then fine, let them save you. The wandering that the people of Israel did was to serve false gods, to step away. And the, the wandering lasted for a long time. But as I mentioned, this is nothing new in Scripture, nor is it new in the life of God's people. God has made you to be his own. And no, you and I aren't going to go out and serve the gods of the Ammonites or the Philistines. But what are the gods of this land that cause us to wander away from our Lord and serving and loving him alone above all else? Isn't it the, the gods of this land that tell you that you don't belong to, to Jesus? Your life is your own. You can do what you want with your life. And so the gods that we chase after are the gods of the stomach, the gods of spending and acquiring wealth, 
the gods of entertainment, the gods of the marketplace, the gods of wasteful and expensive dining, the gods of pornographic websites and video games. And these things pull our hearts away from our Lord as we begin to serve and chase after them instead. And really, doesn't any believer wander away from the Lord when they begin to wander away from his word? That's where it really starts. When someone begins to say, well, I don't need time to listen to the voice of my God. And they cease coming to worship or cease coming to Bible study, gathering with God's saints to hear his word. Or they cease opening up the scriptures, the word of God in their home. See, to set aside God's word is to wander away from God. And to despise hearing his word is to say, Lord, I'm going to leave you for something better. That's why Jesus warns as he speaks to those who have wandered from him, the one who is a disciple, the one who listens to God, hears what he says. He says to them, the reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. That was the tragic fate for the Israelites. Because they no longer served the Lord and loved him, they now belonged to their enemies. God had essentially said to them when they cried out, you want to cry out to me now? You want me to save you? Well, what about the gods that you have turned to? The gods of the Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines, the gods of Sidon. The Lord said, When the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, the Moanites oppressed you and you cried to me for help, did I not save you? But you have forsaken me. I didn't leave you. You forsook me. And you served other gods. So, I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you're in trouble. See, when the Israelites turned aside from their God, they had to hear the stinging, the horrible rebuke that God says to them, you don't belong to me. You left me. Let those gods that you now chose save you. That's what the Israelites deserved, right? 18 years they had left the Lord. 18 years they have abandoned him for those other gods. Just to put this into perspective, imagine if you had a spouse and you had promised to be faithful to them and to be one with them and they cheated on you with someone else. How long would you put up with that? 18 years? One year? A single day? 18 years. Doesn't God have a right to finally say, you've wandered too far. Enough is enough. Let them save you. And what about us when, when we wander? The Israelites wandered, it says, again. And so God's people still let their hearts wander from their Lord again and again as they turn to other devices and stop hearing his word as they ought. How ought God to respond to those who despise the hearing of his word or turn aside from him again and again, year after year? What we see the writer to the Hebrews reminds us is if we deliberately keep on sinning, that is, if we keep stepping away from our God after we have received sacrifice for sins, there's no longer any sacrifice, but only a fearful expectation of judgment that will consume the enemies of God. Our God is a consuming fire. What God ought to say to those who have wandered from him and have gone too far, too often, too much, what God ought to say to the Christian who, though they were confirmed in the faith and they know the truth, stopped coming to church. 
What ought God to say to the man who's struggling with pornography and after year after year still keeps turning back to his sin instead of to the Lord? What ought he to say to the man who's given over to alcoholism and again and again keeps wandering away from the Lord to serve his stomach and other desires? God ought to say enough is enough. But he doesn't. What he says here to the Israelites is, yes, a very strong warning. Let your God save you. You've chosen them. I'm not your God anymore. It might be a warning. It might be a a rebuke. But it's not a closed door. And it worked. When the Israelites heard this, when they heard, we don't belong to the Lord anymore, they woke up. And they responded. And we see repentance in their hearts. We have sinned against the Lord. And repentance is more than simply saying, I hate suffering and I I sinned. No, repentance is acknowledging I've done evil in the Lord's eyes. And repentance is more than simply saying, I want to be out of this mess. Repentance is saying, I desire to be away from my enemies and this sin and to be with my God. So the people said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think is best, but please rescue us now. Repentance finally is turning away from that sin to the desire to be with God, putting it in God's hands. Do with us as you see fitting, but also trusting that he is a God of mercy. Save us, please. Even though they knew they did not deserve to belong to their God, that they had forsaken him, They still cried out to him in faith. And Israel made that cry in faith to the God who in mercy heard. See, that there's no better place to be than in the hands of a merciful God. The Lord, it says, was weary in spirit with what was happening, the toil of Israel, and could bear it no longer. God aches for the sinner who wanders away from him. And yes, God does permit the sinner to wander, But never does he desire that sinner to leave him. And God longs for that sinner's return to receive him back with welcome arms. Isn't that what we read earlier in Luke 15, that picture of forgiveness, that when that son left behind his former life and came back to his father, he was welcomed with rejoicing. That's the way our God operates. The God who never spurns the repentant sinner. It doesn't matter how long or how often or how far someone has wandered from the Lord. He yearns for their return. And God gives that message, that rebuke, you don't belong to me, in order that the heart might wake up from its slumber and turn to the mercy of God and receive full welcome and forgiveness once again and again and again, no matter how many times. So that that sinner, that who knows the love of God but has strayed away from him into the addiction of alcoholism, hears the word of the Lord that he has mercy and is received back into the arms of a forgiving God. Or the, the one who struggles again and again with the addiction to sexual sins and pornography hears the news of a God who welcomes back the sinner no matter how long or how far they've strayed, finds mercy in Christ. And the confirmation student who's spent years with their Bible shut opens the pages of Scripture to find a God who rejoices in their return 
and welcomes them with joy. And you and I, for all the times our heart have strayed, hear the words of our God. Didn't I rescue in the past? When you needed my help, didn't I save you from your enemies? Didn't I rescue you from the depth of your own guilt and sin and set you free? Didn't I rescue you from the grave and promise you life, though you deserved nothing more? Didn't I rescue you when you wandered and strayed? That's the mercy and love of our God. So what do you do when you know someone who's wandering or your own heart begins to wander away from the Lord? It starts with that, that rebuke to say, no, you don't deserve to belong to your God because you left him. But then continue with, but he never left you. Your God welcomes back the sinner and the Lord receives back the repentant with a loving embrace. Amen.